All right, what's going on, everybody? My name is Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets, alongside my main man, Ant Latino. This is Short-Term High Volatility Investments, a sports betting podcast looking to find the edge on just about every game, every sport, whatever's hot. But right now, we're focusing on week 14 of the NFL. I've got my best Yankee hat on because I'm trying to get some of my best picks going. Ant, Tanner, then Tanner, as I've ever seen you coming back from Hawaii, how are we feeling? I left paradise. Um, I will let you know though that somehow the snow and the rain and the cold found me right as I was leaving. So glad I escaped because Hawaii was starting to get weird. There was snow in Hawaii. So the Big Island, which we were not on, we were on a different island, but the Big Island as part of this weird seasonal rain crazy storm that they got was was expecting some snow in some of the higher altitude mountain spots. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And you learn something new every day, whether it's on this podcast or the weather guy, Ant Latino. But um, anyway, we've got a great slate for you guys today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we broke down who we thought were overrated and underrated, just looking at, at Football Insider's strength of schedule past versus future and, and wanted to hone in on some of those teams who had schedules easing up and, and, and fading some teams who had who had schedules tightening up um, just as a way of, of saying, hey, maybe these stats are a little inflated or, or, or not, or underflated or inflated, I don't know. So we did take week 13 off. Uh, I went solo for week 12 and gave you a big fat loser uh, which was surprising because the thing the thing got close on that total. So I still stand by that pick. There was some weird shit that happened at the end of the first half in that Titans-Bills game where nobody wanted to stop anybody. And we didn't quite get the under 44. That thing came in at a, at a 49. And we, we held on to the second half under, which I did live tweet. So hopefully you got that. But overall... Exactly. Overall, we sit. I sit at eight and five. Uh, you're still cooking at thirteen, four and one. That's an overall record of twenty one, nine and one. So we've cooled to some degree, but hey, twenty one, nine and one, still profitable. Still, yeah, profitable. a nice two to one ratio of winners to losers. We love to see that. Um, you know, again, we always talk about kind of practicing what we preach. Uh, my NFL record is not as shiny as thirteen, four and one on the season because I do chase a little bit. I am human. Sometimes I give in to my gluttonous tendencies. But either way, we're looking to get back on track here. Uh, we've only had what one week that we've actually lost below five hundred, um, and that was recently. So hopefully, we can we can flip the switch here. Um, and we've got a couple of picks. I've got two, and you have. I have one with a strong lean. I think I think we might make it official with you know. Hey, let's let's sweep the board with four and zero. Let's go four and zero and get get weird. That feels good to me. Um, but anyway, let's look at this over under and underrated trends. Right, a quick update okay. here. So after week ten, we looked again at past schedule versus future schedule and highlighted uh, essentially half the league that was overrated and underrated. Overrated, we had the Bills, Rams, Colts, Steelers, Raiders, Bengals, Falcons, and Panthers. All of those had a strength of schedule that was at least 15 points easier than it was going to be coming to the back half of the schedule. Those teams that we highlighted in the last four weeks have gone 12, 17, and 1. Pretty interesting. Um, the Colts and the Bengals are actually the only two teams within that that have positive records. We've got the Bills at 2 and 2, the Rams at 1 and 3, the Colts at 3 and 1. Um, maybe they're not as, as over underrated, yeah, but I think a pretty telling list overall, especially when you look at the record and some of the results there and none of those teams to me jump out probably besides the Rams and 
Colts, maybe. You know, some of that, I think, with the Colts is, is definitely the schedule to date. So we'll see how that shapes up. And we look at the other side of this, right, Ant? With the difficulty easy. We had the 49ers, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Chiefs. So we're on to something here. Four games over 500 and five games under 500, at least directionally, that I think validates that, that the stats we're looking at are accurate and the teams are more or less doing what we thought they would, um, which always feels good. And hopefully we can translate that into some profits this week. Yeah, look, one big team that jumps out here again because of when we looked at this compared to the recent streaks, you know, the Dolphins uh, are on a little 5-0 and run. They've climbed themselves back into the playoff hunt. They're probably going to regret some of those early season losses that they had to the likes of the Falcons and the Jags, I think, in some close games. Um, but they also did get lucky on that Patriots win. Exactly. Exactly. And then another team that jumps out to me on here is, you know, two that I'll highlight is the 49ers and the Chiefs. I think the 49ers gave one away against Seattle. They really had a chance to to keep the momentum going and keep building in the second half of the season that, that they were, you know, starting to get healthy, starting to get right. But the lack of Debo and uh, I think another playmaker on that offense really hurt them uh, against Seattle and they just couldn't get enough stops. And then the Chiefs, the Chiefs might be back. I think they're back, and they're 3-0 and since we tweeted out that they were underrated uh, moving forward. They had the eighth hardest schedule moving into the 19th, so not the biggest change between any of the teams here, but nonetheless, um, playing some softer teams and are starting to cover. I loved that Denver line last week. We hit that at what it was, 8.5 uh, covered, which was great. Um, yards wasn't as great, but hey, they uh, they made the plays when they needed to. Yeah, I think you've seen that offense change a little bit. They're not putting up, you know, the ridiculous point numbers, but you look they covered that spread against Denver. They controlled the clock. Um, you know, they controlled the game. Mahomes, I think the final stat line, he had no touchdowns and and he ran one in, right? But no passing TDs and he threw a pick. So, not a sexy stat line. You know, not, you know, 35, 40 plus points that we might be used to them seeing in, in the past. But I think you're seeing a better running game. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is back. Um, the defense is getting healthy. And I think you're seeing that translate. It just might be a more complete team out of Kansas City, even though it's not the offensive juggernaut. And that ultimately might be a better fit down the stretch, you know, than just the offense and relying on Patrick Mahomes. Um, and in one last, two last things in this 18, 14 and one on the difficulty, easy schedules. You know, two that stick out here. We got the Vikings at two and two, but they've also been losing Dalvin Cook. And then you got the Titans at one and two. They lost Henry. So, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, really just muddies the waters. Not to say that Madison hasn't been good. Not to say that Foreman and Hilliard haven't been good. Because they have been. They've filled in admirably. But nonetheless, that I think kind of muddies the waters. We also had the Lions, who are the worst team in the league, right? They had the seventh hardest, moving to the 18th easiest. They went one, two, and one. They got that win. Their other two losses were both under three points. So if anything, even though they are hurting the overall win-loss record there, close losses, I think they covered all four of those games, you know, still very, very interesting. So does that take us to week 14? Let's get back into the winning circle. A freaking man. So anyway, before we dive into week 14, we re-ran this exercise of strength of schedule, past versus future, coming into the end of the season um, and have a couple, you know, again, targets and fades. Targets in terms of uh, challenging schedule, moving into easy. We've got the 49ers, the seventh hardest on the season, the 31st easiest or 31st hardest moving forward. So second easiest schedule. You've got the Chiefs from 4 to 23, the Chargers from 3 to 29, the Saints from 6 to 30, the Seahawks, who could be a good buy low here. They look broken, but they are an NFL team, 2 to 28, and the Titans still uh, number 1 to 32. Other side of that, 
Uh, easy strength of schedules moving into the gauntlet of their schedule. You've got the Cardinals 21 to 6, uh, the Rams 26 to number one. So very easy schedule to the hardest schedule. And we did see that already where they went one and three, but they lost to the Titans, the 49ers, and the Packers. So they're losing to good teams, but either way, maybe a little inflated. I think they were favorites on all three of those. Don't quote me on that. They might miss Jared Goff is really the punchline there, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Stafford is the poor man's golf, as they say. But anyway, we'll keep going through here. The Colts twenty nine to eight. The Ravens twenty five to nine. The Bengals thirty two to five. The Raiders twenty to four, and the Panthers twenty seven to two. So some of these teams that have been kind of, I don't know, treading water in the five hundred range, moving into very tough parts of their schedule, could be an interesting fade. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so how do some, some of these play, play into your first pick? Yeah, so first week I'm looking at, and you know, I've tried to take this to another level of using the DVOA percentage, which is a football outsider's statistic, um, which we love, right? It's it's comparing essentially the uh, performance of every play of every outcome to to league average. DVOA stands for defense adjusted value over average, um, and it's looking essentially for for defense. It, it, it's looking at uh, an adjusted percentage of, of of just about everything, right? Again, comparing it to the normal in baseball, this would be FIP versus you know expected FIP versus ERA, um, which we think is interesting. So what I've been looking at is looking at the percentage of DVOA difference, if that makes sense, between teams. A DVOA is listed at a percentage the best in the league. I think right now is the Bucks. It's like plus thirty two percent. The worst in the league, I believe, is the Falcons right now at something like minus 37%. And it goes through zero, obviously. And so I've been looking at when there's a large gap in percentage, you should have a very strong line. If you're 20 percentage points better, you should be you know, minus 10 or more. If you're one percentage difference or the same, the line should be a pick in theory, right? So I've just been looking for, for fishy lines on that. If it's a large gap in percentage and a small line, I'm looking to target the underdog. If it's a small gap in percentage with a big line, I'm looking to target probably the favorite there. And we had some good examples. Last week, the Dolphins were a perfect example of this going well. They were actually ranked lower in terms of percentage versus the Giants, but were favorites. So based off a DVA percentage, they shouldn't have been favorites, let alone six and a half point favorites. They win and cover. This doesn't always work well. Saints on Thursday, it was a Thursday night football, I think. Yeah, because both these teams played on Thanksgiving and then they got the the next Thursday night game. Yeah, exactly. Where the Saints, uh, small percent or large percentage, small line, but then Taysom Hill goes out and throws four interceptions. So they won the total yards battle. They won the time of possession battle. They won the more first down battle, and they had a better third down conversion. But if you throw pit four picks, you know all bets are off. But anyway, that's kind of the the strategy I'm looking to compare here. I'm looking to to match line strength based off DVOA versus spread with strength of schedule so far. And this first one here brings me to the Chiefs. I'm looking at the Chiefs minus nine. The Chiefs here have a minus, or an 18.6 percentage difference in DVOA uh, this week, and the line is sitting at minus nine. And I'm categorizing this as a strong line based on what other spreads are, right? We look at the 49ers here. The 49ers have a 21 percentage difference. That's a pick 'em. The Saints have a 29% difference. That's minus five. Dallas has a 33% difference. That's only three and a half. Seattle, 
probably on the stronger side here, 30 percentage difference, seven and a half. Carolina, 21% in difference, tw- uh, two and a half. So to have 18 at nine versus a 33 percentage difference at three and a half, this is Vegas telling me this is one of the strongest lines of the week. And we look at the strength of schedule, it's a perfect alignment here as well. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, again, they were uh, 3-0 and when we analyzed them last time. The Raiders have gone 1-3 and since we identified them as overrated. And closing out the season here, we've got the Chiefs, who had the fourth hardest schedule, moving into the 23rd. The Raiders at 20, moving into the fourth hardest. So, so very interesting there. Yeah, and one thing on that line, too, is, is that's line strength in a division game, right? Um, which typically you do even see that line shrink a little bit more. You know, yeah, big time, man, big time. So that feels great. Just as we loved the Chiefs last week at minus nine, eight and a half versus Denver, I think it was win and cover. Uh, going back to the well here, I think it's one of the strongest lines on the board. Um, and again, that that strength of schedule difference is is obviously great. Uh, no need for me to go into personal player stats. We know who Patrick Mahomes is. We know who Travis Kelsey is. We know who Tyreek Hill is. And of course, we're familiar with. I guess less familiar with the banged up Raiders here, but uh, Brian Edwards, I don't know, maybe he gets a go. And I guess the one thing to touch upon is this Chiefs defense. They have been playing pretty well these last few weeks. And honestly, a little reminiscent of some of their, you know, their deep playoff Super Bowl runs and a a, a defense that very much overperformed based off of statistics coming in to close out the season and tightening up. And I think we're starting to see that. They're still ranked pretty poorly in terms of uh, defensive efficiency, but they're holding teams uh, to not that many points. So Yeah, look, they started getting a, a little healthier against the Packers, although that was Jordan Love. They gave up seven points there, 14 points in the last game at the Raiders uh, in a 41-14 victory. I think that was one to me that really felt like they got rolling. Uh, nine points to the good old Dallas Cowboys, a great offense. They held them down, and, and Dak looked kind of pedestrian. And then, you know, nothing too impressive for me about the Denver offense. But again, 22 to 9, they they controlled that game. So I I think you're you're on the right side of this. I think the, the Chiefs want to keep rolling. Yep. Love that. Um, do you want to kick over to you? Yeah. Let's switch gears. I'm going to the Swamplands of Jersey, as Bruce Springsteen likes to say. Uh, and we are targeting the Saints minus five at the New York football Jets. Uh, a scrappy but not very good football team. And and one of the reasons I like this overlap with what you were talking about was, you know, the Saints are kind of in that, you know, discussion in terms of, uh, you know, what we would expect with the DVOA difference, what we would expect with the strength of schedule, um, you know, kind of regression going forward. So schedule is supposed to get easier for them. This Jets game is a great indication of that. They do have a 29.8% difference. Now this line is only minus five. So, you know, kind of middle of the road. Sometimes we call that four and a half to five and a half zone, the Vegas zone, because um, it's outside of that field goal, but below a touchdown. But I do like anything below a touchdown here for the Saints. And that's really because I think this is the get right spot that they ultimately need. Now, since that uh, Jameis injury in the Bucks victory for the Saints, uh, the team has gone 0-5. And it's looked ugly at times, close at times. But to me, this is really about the quarterback position. It's about an offense that's gotten banged up. They haven't had Alvin Kamara against Dallas and over the last few games in this slide. I think Kamara went out in week nine. The two tackles, both the right tackle and the left tackle, were out against Dallas. And they've been out um, you know, for, for a few games here. And I think Kamara is expected to play. The offensive line is still questionable, but I do think um, you probably get one, if not both of them, back in the lineup. And at the end of the day here, the, the Saints, especially defensively, are just much, much better um, than the Jets. 
Uh, the Jets currently have a minus 150 point differential. They're sitting 24th offensively in DVOA, 32nd defensively, uh, good for 28th overall. So, you know, how does an offense get right? Well, one, they get healthy. Um, they get their staple running back back, which will only help in a backup quarter situa- situation, whether it's, you know, Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon here. I don't think it matters um, because I think what they can target is that 30th DVOA ranked uh, defensive rushing attack for, for the Jets and, you know, kind of just ground and pound through this thing. Um, I would love it if it was closer to a field goal, but I do think if you stay under that six range uh, by the time this gets to Sunday, you know, I like it in that five to six range. Um, They have the rest advantage coming off of that Thursday night matchup the Jets did play on Sunday. So even with the travel, you know, a couple days rest to game plan to get right. Uh, Sean Payton does not want to see this team go 0 and 6 over their last six. And, you know, from a special team standpoint, if you're worried about the points, the Jets don't even have a kicker. They signed somebody off the streets last week who came in and missed two extra points. Uh, so I don't know when we'll see him again or, or what they're going to do in the special teams game. Um, so I'm looking for the Saints offense to get better, get a little bit more right. They are 21st on offense, but they're fifth on defense. And I just think, you know, against a rookie quarterback getting more healthy, I think you're going to have a offense that can control the clock a little bit more finally put some points on the board, especially against a bad Jets defense. And I think the Saints defense is going to get back into form knowing they have to do a lot uh, to prop the rest of the team up, attack the rookie quarterback. I think Peyton and the team is going to have something well scripted. And and I think that five is not a concern. Yeah, man, I agree. You know, this was one that was tough for me because on paper, looking at the DVOA, um, you know, versus spread, it was a, it was a really good line for the, for, for the Jets. Um, but I think the, so I love the points you brought up, you know, run versus Kamara coming back and just recency bias, right? Taysom Hill throws four interceptions. You know, they, they should have covered that game in my, I mean, obviously not. You throw four interceptions, you shouldn't cover that game. But that's like an outlier in terms of professional football throwing four interceptions. So I, I like yeah, it coming back at that on this game, one. That game early on, the Saints were in it. And I think it, it was more a matter of, frustration and things leading to finally the Cowboys being able to open things up, you know, with some of those turnovers, with some of the stagnation on offense. But again, I don't think it matters if you see Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon or a combination of the two of them, because I think they're finally going to get back to what they want to do on offense. Yeah, that feels good, man. I like it. Maybe I'll join you. I had that one as like Come on over. fishy, but eh, maybe you should still play it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I fall for the trap? Yeah, but I appreciate, you know, your analysis on it, which I love a good trap. You know, we love the trap lords here. Uh, all right, cool. So let's keep it moving here. We're at 21 minutes into this podcast. We've got nine minutes to go to keep it under an episode of The Office, which is usually that sweet spot. Uh, I'm going to come back to another big, big favorite here. I'm looking at the Chargers minus 10 and a half. I am a little concerned. Eckler's banged up, bruised and beaten or something along those lines. I think was what the coach used to describe him, but expected to practice all week, expected to play. Uh, Keenan Allen, also COVID list, but vaccinated. He could be back to home game. So any sort of logistics of traveling aren't going to be an issue. Uh, but nonetheless, keep an eye on that. The line should drop if either of those guys are, are announced out. But at 10 and a half, when I'm looking at it right now, and, you know, we'll keep this one um, keep this one short and sweet, right? Strength of schedule, uh, target here. The Chargers had the third hardest. Now they're moving into 29th. The Giants, kind of a whatever burger here, 15th to 12th. So they should be getting harder as well. 
But I do think this Chargers offense is, is considerably and just consistently, I should say, underrated here. They obviously tossed that dud up against Denver. At Denver is always a tough place to play. We've seen Tom Brady over the course of his career struggle there as well. So not particularly concerned about them. And then you look at the Bengals game last week. What? They're up 24 to nothing, something along those lines. They made that game close as well. Um, so I just feel like People aren't ready to believe in the Chargers, which is okay. But the facts here are that the Chargers are ranked number two offensively in terms of overall DVOA. The Giants are 28th. Defense is a little bit closer here. Giants are 13th. Chargers are 19th. Um, but nonetheless, we've got a strong pass and rush offense from this Chargers team. They should move the ball however they want, right? They'll get crafty. The Giants here, 1-5 on the road versus 3-3 three and three at home. I think that's very interesting. Their average road loss is by 8.3 points. However, they and that if you remove that one in the one and five, only looking at their on the road losses, that increases to 11.8 at 10.5. We're right there. And we looked at team rankings as well. The Giants are ranked 26th on teamrankings.com. Those other stats from DVOA are from Football Outsiders. Um, but how have the Chargers at home been against similarly ranked teams? Against the Raiders, number 24, they won by 14. And against the Steelers, number 22, they only won by four. But if we recall that game, that was 27 fourth quarter points allowed, where one dude tried to get out of the way of a punt and it hit him in the back of the foot on the four. And then Herbert threw an interception on his own 10. So... That's insane turnovers. I don't think those are going to be statistically significant at any point. Total outliers, a terrible beat. So I think this feels like enough at 10 and a half. Uh, of course, I want to talk about that DVOA strength as well. The Chargers are 20% better in terms of DVOA efficiency at a minus 10 and a half points. There was only four lines that I thought really were strong. The first was the Chiefs. The second was the Chargers. The third was the Packers at 25% better and 11-point favorites. And the Titans at 18% uh, and 8.5-point favorites. So um, a lot of the other lines that we already talked about before, the Niners at 21% better and a pick em. The Saints, 29% of only five. Dallas, 33%, only three and a half. Uh, this Chargers is falling in a perceived strong line with, I think, underrated overall performance uh, and a great strength and schedule split, which only should make their numbers look better. So I'm going to be playing the Chargers as well at 10 and a half. Of course, watch out for those injuries uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, as long as I don't bet the Chargers, you should be fine because I think I've been on the wrong side of them this year anytime I take them. So I'll stay away. You win the bet and everybody cashes. <laughs> I love it. I hope so. Fingers are crossed. Toes are crossed. Eyes are crossed. I'm even crossing my legs right now onto the table. You can't see it. Boom. Uh, so let's bring it home with one final pick. We're going to stretch this thing all the way to Monday. So now you have Sunday winners. You go 3-0. and You roll the bankroll over into Monday. Uh, those are good betting habits. Just kidding. One unit at a time, bet by bet. But we do have a play for Monday night. I'm actually targeting the Rams on the road, plus 2.5 at the aforementioned Arizona Cardinals, who are a target to fade. Now, that's been dangerous this year. I've been wrong on them a lot. They are 10-2. and two. They were rolling without maybe the MVP, Kyler Murray. I think he might have missed too many games. But overall, when you look at these two teams, you know, very evenly matched from a DVOA perspective. Um, fifth on offense, sixth on defense for the Rams to come in at sixth overall. Twelfth on offense, third on defense for Arizona to come in at fifth overall. So I think it's what you expect from both these teams. The Cardinals probably playing a little bit ahead of what we expected coming into the year. The Rams, you know, maybe faltering back a little bit. Um, but I do think they're kind of a target to get right. They've made a lot of moves. You know, people joke about them being the all-star team that's thrown together. Um, but I think the buy helped. Uh, I know they did 
have a loss coming out of that. But the Jag spot last week might have just been the get right that they finally needed. You know, they put the wall up on them. Uh, they covered the game. They looked good on both sides of the ball, something you'd expect against Jacksonville. But the hope is that this would get them going. I think one interesting thing to point out here was just kind of the line overall. Um, you know, Arizona did cover um, when the Rams were a three and a half point favorite at home in L.A., um, they won that game 37 to 20. They dominated the second half. They were actually up 13, nothing in the second half to kind of extend what was a close game at halftime until there was a garbage TD, you know, with about a minute left for Stafford and the Rams. So I kind of would have expected that line to come out higher. So I actually think this thing is showing strength, you know, to the Rams, because again, you're in Arizona and sitting at plus two and a half, it's just kind of a stock you know, here's the home team, you know, we're going to give them some points. You'd expect on a 17 point win uh, that they would have gotten some strength, you know, going forward. Um, that's not really the case here. So I think the Rams in a bit of a revenge spot in a, the second game of a, a, you know, a two game series, obviously in the division matchup. And you look at where these teams are, you know, again, evenly matched from a DVOA perspective. Uh, the Rams need this win badly. Uh, Arizona 10 and two sit, sitting in kind of the driver's seat for a top seed and for the division crown. Eight and four, the Rams kind of clinging to a you know a messy NFC playoff picture and maybe trying to keep their division hopes alive. You know you got to at least split with the Cardinals and then you're going to need some help down the stretch. But you got to take care of business first and foremost. Um, so I think the downside is the Cards obviously do get a little bit healthier. Last week they did get um, Hopkins back and Murray back, but you still don't know those guys' health overall. Um, and, and really one thing I dug into that stood out to me was when you look at the box score of the Cardinals last victory, you know, 33, 22 against the bears, the bears who I don't think are, you know, in the same stratosphere as the Rams, especially offensively. This is with Andy Dalton, a quarterback and the, you know, it's similar to the Taysom Hill saints point that you mentioned. Um, Dalton threw four picks. Um, when you look at the stat line, the bears dominated every single piece of, of that game. Dominated, you know, I, I probably shouldn't use that word, but 26 first downs to 14 for the Cardinals. Uh, six for 15 on third down versus five to 11. Um, they had more overall yards, 329 to 257. Um, the big difference was the, <laughs> the interceptions thrown, you know, four to zero, uh, completely lost, lost the turnover battle, um, you know, w- w- which did hurt them ultimately in a 33-22 game. But I, I think that's a bit of a you know weak performance for the Arizona um, defense from a stat perspective. They obviously won the turnover battle, but I think you're going to get a different approach from McVay and the Rams coming into this thing. Uh, I think the the line, like I said, shows good strength to them, and and I just like this spot for the Rams to get it done as a as an underdog. I like it, baby. Hopefully, uh, maybe OBJ gets a little more involved. I'd like to see more he than could. two for twenty eight and a touchdown. The touchdown was nice, but. Yeah, he could. He definitely, I think you felt like he started to last week a bit. So I think the bye combined with even, you know, the loss against the Packers and then into this win, um, you know, hopefully something that gets them and that offense going. Stafford needs to be better. That's what this is going to come down to. Like he cannot turn the ball over. I don't know exactly how many picks and pick sixes he's thrown, but it's felt like a lot uh, lately. So, you know, I don't know if they try to get more conservative on offense. Um, but, but again, I, I think look for the defense to step up in, in a big way and, and look for the, uh, the offense to hopefully get right. Yeah. And hopefully this game is as good as it should be on paper. I've got no action on this one. This one was weird for me, right? You got, you know, Kyler coming back, Hopkins coming back. They looked fine, but Hopkins was kind of limited. He only had like two catches as well. And then 
you know, the, the, the DVOA splits are about equal. So historically, I'd go with the, uh, the underdog. I haven't really figured out how to categorize because a, a lot of times last week as well, we were seeing like close to equal and, you know, two to three and a half seemed pretty stock on that. So I, I just didn't get a good read either way. But I think your analysis is, is pretty spot on. And I don't know if I'll be tailing officially, but you've got me almost sold in. Yeah, you've got another five days to lock in, <clears throat> lock in this one. Yeah. Hey, look, maybe you wait it out and it gets to three. You know, I don't know if I'm, I'm probably going to lock in a two and a half uh, before, but if that thing hits three or three and a half for any reason, you can bet I'll be going back to the well. I love that. So quick summary here. Uh, I'm on the Chiefs minus nine and the Chargers minus ten and a half. Watch out for injuries on the Chargers. And Ant here is on the Rams plus two and a half as well as the Saints minus five in the Meadowlands. Um, so all good things there. Chris, customs in the chat. Uh, we don't do UFC often, but mainly because we only have 30 minutes on here. Um, but we, we could get do Bo, so. We should get Bo in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah check out Bo Templin's show, also on 137pm.com. Uh, he's a UFC specialist. He's got some great interviews uh, with assorted fighters and trainers and things along those lines. Also does some content for... Uh, DraftKings. But thank you again for listening. New listeners, old listeners, moderately new listeners, moderately old listeners, everybody in between. Uh, my name is Jeff Sheesby, aka The Old Man Who Bets. That's Ann Latino, The Odds Fellow. You can find us both on Twitter for any questions, comments, or concerns. This was, this is, this always will be, and short term high volatility investments. Until next week. <laughs>